It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. I'm ready. So, uh, well, if you weren't here last week, we started a new series called Knots. Uh, it's a series about relationships. And, and so we're talking about those that have knots and those that have no knots. All right. And so last week we focused on those with no knots, single folks. And we began to talk about the fact that relationships are uh, one of, if not the most important and most impacting aspects of our lives. And and I can say that without any doubt because what I've witnessed is that um, uh, when 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 you're in relationships, relationships bring the best out of people, and it can bring the worst out of people. Don't don't shout me down while I'm already preaching. I, y'all know that's true. You've seen it happen in your own life, and I and I've I've watched as uh, people blossomed due to relationships. But I've also seen relationships produce more pain than drugs and, and, and more pain than, uh, bankruptcy or sickness combined. When, when it comes down to relationships, you're not just dealing with physical issues, you begin to deal with soul issues. And so when you give your heart to someone and it's not treated right or the way that you expected or you thought should be, it can have devastating impacts on your impact on your life and so in order for us to survive relationships we must learn to navigate knots and so we began to talk about this last week and i be, i spent most of my time talking to those of you that have no knots yet and and we talked about some things that i felt like you needed to know like uh you need to let god get involved in the selection process early for you you cannot allow uh what most of us do is we we enter into relationships and we make the selection and then we go behind the selection and ask God to bring perfection to our selection but it doesn't work that way we got to find the one that God has assigned the one that God has created and formed and structured for us that is suitable for us i didn't say they were sexy i said they were suitable Adam found that Eve was suitable for him. And so we, we gotta allow God to get involved in the selection process early. I told you that if you are gonna survive knots, that you, you cannot bring someone into your garden from the swamp and expect them to begin to act like they're from the garden. You find them in the bar, you shouldn't be surprised that about five years from now, when things get tough, they go back to the bar. Just, just saying. I, I'm just saying. I, I just, I just, I'm just trying to help you. It doesn't ever work because, see, in most cases, that never works because soil influences seed rather than seed influencing soil. And just because you're good seed doesn't mean you can turn bad soil into good soil just because you're a good seed. And so I told you that the only way to fix bad soil is to. Add Add a heaping helping of fertilizer, and if you're not willing to stay with them long enough to walk through all the mess that they're going to have to get to for God to transform them if he, if they will allow him to, then you better get out now because you're not going to change it. 
And so you got to make sure that if you want a garden encounter, you better find them in the garden. And finally, I told you that you need to know who you are and you shouldn't mess with anyone who doesn't know who they are. Because people that don't know their purpose will randomly walk into your life and suck the purpose out of you if they don't know who they are. Right? So if you have no no knots, then, then you better be careful about who you tie yourself to. So now we're going to go one step further this morning, and I'm going to tie into those with knots. So if you don't have a knot, uh, this will help you before you tie the knot. But those of you that are knotted this morning, uh, this one's directly for you. So hang on. It's going to get tight in here. And, and so you, I hope your spouse is here with you so you can nudge them when I say something that applies to them. Yeah. I ain't going to say nothing that applies to you probably. But let me just stop for a second right here and say to you that uh, I, I need to share a secret with you. I need to inform you that the enemy wants to destroy your marriage. Uh, see, the enemy knows how important relationships are, so what he does is he convinces single folks that marriage will solve all their problems. Uh, I'm not happy with who I am. I, I don't have enough money now. I don't like being alone. So if I could just get married, then everything will be all right. We're fighting now, but if I could just marry them, then we won't fight anymore. You're stupid. I'm just, uh, I wish I could be nice. Y'all just forgive me a minute on the internet. I'm just going to talk to these folks here. You're stupid if you think that if you fight before a relationship, you won't fight. Because everything that, that bu bugs you now that you're willing to deal with or put up with will only become magnified because you won't be able to get away from them. Alright, so, so the enemy convinces single folks that a marriage will resolve their issues, but then at the same time what he does is he convinces married folks that divorce will solve all their problems. See, we got these problems in our relationship and the only, only way out is I gotta get a divorce and then I'll be happy. But we fail to realize that what really takes place is you just take all the pain and the brokenness and the baggage of that broken relationship into your next relationship and now without them you're no happier than you were with them. Uh, I didn't mean to preach, I'm just trying to share a little secret. See, he keys on knots. The enemy keys on knots because he understands that when you come into a marriage or a knotted relationship, it's all about covering. It's And so he is about the business of scattering. He knows that knots are the number one thing he can leverage to destroy us. He knows that. And so if, I've discovered that the, that the enemy can use a good knot to distract us. And he can use a bad or a weak knot to destroy us. He knows that if He can destroy us, then then He can destroy the seed of our life. That's what He's attempting to do. So if we recognize His method of attack, which is to come against relationships, then we should be extremely aware that just as much as God is involved in putting us together, then the enemy is involved in trying to separate us. Don't shout me down right now. See, some of y'all think that it's all about, well, God put us together. And He did. And we're going to talk about that. But you also need to understand that there's another party involved that's trying to everything He can do to, to, to separate you. Because if He can ever untie your knot or loosen your knot or weaken your knot, He recognizes at that moment He's got you where He wants you. And you become uncovered and you become exposed. Y'all are too quiet on a... On a See, some of y'all wonder where I'm going and you're already scared. I know, I know, I know. So, see, some of you missed what I just said. God was involved in putting you together. 
That's a key point this morning. It's it's not in your notes, but you need to know that. If, if you are in a relationship, you need to understand if you allowed God into the selection process, then you must understand that, that you can state and recognize and realize that God literally had a hand in putting you together. Oh, I know that Aunt... Boo Boo helped set it up, and I I recognize that Uncle Bobo uh, was played matchmaker, and your best friend worked it all out, and you found each other on eHarmony. I get all that, but 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 you need to understand, even though they were involved and may have had a hand in it, the truth of the matter is that God put you together. That's a crucial thing to understand. Behind the scenes, with a brush in hand, God was painting you into a relationship. You thought you, you chose your own mate, but according to Matthew, God was involved from the get-go. It, it's the passage we read in, in, in marriages and in, in wedding ceremonies. Um, before we ask if any, anybody has anything to say that maybe these folks should get put together, we always quote this passage of Scripture. I'll read it to you out of uh, the, the way uh, the Message Bible says it. It's Matthew chapter 19, verse 6. Because God created this organic union of the two sexes, no one should desecrate his art by cutting them apart. That's pretty cool. Uh, uh, here's maybe how you can remember it. They are no longer two but one, so a man must not separate what God has joined together. See, God was involved. Even if you didn't know it, well, see, the issue for me is that we think that we orchestrated and planned the marriage. I got news for you. If you got a knot, what you did was you planned and orchestrated a wedding. God planned and orchestrated a marriage. And there's a huge difference because if we are responsible for the work and the planning of a, a marriage, then it is our prerogative then to, prerogative to Allow that work to go to waste. But if God was involved in putting us together, then we didn't do the work. And therefore, we are enjoying the work of God's hands. And therefore, we cannot squander the work that He has put in to place us together. Do you recognize, do some of you even fathom the, the strings God had to pull to get you with who He got you with? Some of you are with people that didn't even grow up in the same state. They weren't in the same neighborhood. Your families never knew one another. And you were committed to somebody else thinking you were about to get married and it didn't work out and he pulled the strings and pulled rugs out from under your feet and made you wake up. And all of a sudden, there she was. There he is. And I found him all about, no, you didn't. God did all that. And therefore, we cannot waste the work of his hand. So let me take you to a passage of Scripture that I believe shows us some positive things about pre not people and those that of us that are already knotted, what we have to do to stay knotted. Because if you're married, even as much as you don't like the person you're married to right now, because y'all had a bad morning this morning, and when you rolled over, she had bad breath, and when he, you rolled over, he, he was like drooling stuff out of his... And, and so now, you know, he got up before you did and went to the bathroom and all those noises coming out of there, and so you're just kind of wondering, should I have really married him or not? Uh, you, let me try to help you stay together. All right? It's uh, Genesis chapter 29. It's a, it's a, one of, what I think is one of the coolest stories in the Old Testament about relationships, but I want to look at it a little bit differently. Genesis chapter 29, beginning in verse 14, says this, Laban said, your family, 
my flesh and blood. When Jacob had been with him for a month, Laban said, just because you're my nephew, you shouldn't work for me for nothing. Tell me what you want to be paid. What's a fair wage? Now, Laban had two daughters. I, I don't, I'm not even going to talk about the fact that the family tree went straight up, but this is a whole different deal. Tell, tell me what you want to be paid. What's a fair wage? But Now, Laban had two daughters. Leah was the older and Rachel was the younger. Now, in this particular uh, uh, translation, it says Leah had nice eyes. I don't know that that's a correct translation because in the King James, it said she was doe-eyed, which I believe means she was cross-eyed. All right, so that's a whole different thing. Uh, anyway, Leah had nice eyes. Maybe they were nice even though they were crossed. I don't know. Uh, Leah had nice eyes, but Rachel was stunningly beautiful. And it was Rachel that Jacob loved. So Jacob answered, I will work for you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. It is far better, said Laban, that I give her to you than marry her to some outsider. Yes, stay here with me. So Jacob worked seven years. For Rachel. Yeah, let's do that. Seven long years for Rachel. But it only seemed like a few days. He loved her so much. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife. I've completed what I agreed I'd do. I'm ready to consummate my marriage. And Laban invited everyone around and threw a big feast. At evening, though, he got his daughter Leah and brought her to the marriage bed. And Jacob slept with her. I would stop right there and say, That must have been some party. What in the world? Wake up, Jake. Laban gave his maid Zilpha to his daughter Leah as her maid. Morning came, and there was Leah in the marriage bed. Jacob confronted Laban. Yeah, I bet he did. What have you done to me? Didn't I work all this time for the hand of Rachel? Why did you cheat me? We don't do it that way in our country, said Laban. We don't marry off the younger daughter before the older. Enjoy your week of honeymoon. And then we'll give you the other one also. But it will cost you. Always cost, by the way. It will cost you another seven years of work. Jacob agreed. When he completed the honeymoon week, Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her maid. Jacob then slept with her and he loved Rachel more than Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. Long years. Thank you. They forgot some uh, adjectives in there. See, I think this is perhaps the most lifetime TV ready love story in the entire Bible. Jacob was so in love with Rachel that he was willing to commit seven years of his life to hard labor for her handed marriage. Then he discovers after the honeymoon night that he has been tricked. Which, by the way, speaks to the truth that just because something feels good doesn't mean it's right. Just, just saying, I'm just saying. Because, see, we're in a society today that everything is based on how you feel. And what I would say to you out of Scripture, it shows us that you can't base everything on feelings because your feelings will take you right into destruction or, in this case, into marrying somebody you didn't want. Uh, okay, never mind. Y'all didn't like that part. Y'all just thought it was a cute little love story. It didn't. It felt right, but it wasn't right. You can't always trust your feelings. In fact, I, I want to do a, a, a series I probably won't get to, but I want to do a series based on this new movie that's out, the title called Ride Along, because, see, your feelings get to ride along, but they don't get to drive. 
your feelings, your emotions, how how you conduct yourself, they get to ride along, but they can't be in the driver's seat and mandate everything. And just because it feels good. I have people all the time say, well, I feel right about this. Yeah, but it contradicts the Word of God. I don't know, but I feel like, I feel like God wants me to. You're an idiot. I love you, but you're an idiot. You can't go by your feelings because my feelings don't always line up with His Word. Is that what that's free? Y'all just got that one free just because you came out in the snow. It's your bones today. But now he is so in love with Rachel that he goes back to work for seven more long years. Now, this is foreign to us today in our society because we cannot fathom that kind of love or commitment. Truth is, we can't get some of you to work in my I almost slipped out of preach mode and went right into meddling mode, and I didn't mean to. See, some of y'all want, never mind. So, so, so I'd just like to share with you, based on this account, the number one key ingredient to keeping your knot tied. And unfortunately, it's a four-letter word. It's probably love, right? If we just had more love. We just, if we would just love, if we could just fall in love all over again. That's a three-letter word, right? L-U-V, but love. If we just, it's probably love, right? Or, or maybe, perhaps the four-letter word we need to make it through, uh, and, and keep our marriage strong and keep the knot tight is lust. That's a, that's a good one. I, I mean, here's what I, I know: Rachel must have been fine. One version says that she had a nice figure. So. It's got to be lust because if things were hotter in our bedroom, then we wouldn't be on the verge of divorce. What I would submit to you this morning is that although love is good and and you do need to love one another, I've discovered that love is a choice. So there are going to be moments in your marriage relationship where you will literally not love each other as much and you will make a choice to con- either to continue to love or there will actually be days that you may choose to come to the conclusion, I don't love you today because you're on my last nerve. So it must not be lust. And it must not be lust because what I've discovered is although that lust is cool and that, 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 that chemistry that you have with the person that God has orchestrated you to be with is pretty interesting and, and it's kind of nice and there's the goosebumps and the excitement. I've also discovered that at moments in your relationship, even that will wane. I said wane this week to Andrew and Woody and Woody was like, what's wane? I don't know, wane's coding? What you talking about? Wane? It will diminish at different seasons, alright? It will, <laughs> sorry Woody, I'm, I'm just slamming you, not even here, so. Uh, so, it's not love and it's, not lust. The four-letter word that is absolutely essential to keeping your knot tied. Here it is. I'm on, I'm on custom church right here. Here's the four-letter word. Work. Jacob's life reveals that there is work involved in winning someone. But his life also reveals to us that what wins keeps. I'll miss that. I've got to explain. See, we know that we have to work to win. That's why some of you, when you were uh, uh, 
pursuing one another. That's why you put on like extra deodorant. That's why you uh, had extra perfume on and you did your hair all up and, and you cleaned your car occasionally and, and you went out to nice places deep because you recognize that to win someone, you've got to work. We could point to the children of Israel to learn the same principle. you got to work to get into the promised land. But here's the key. What good does it do you to work to get the thing if you don't work to keep the thing? See, if marriage is the promised land and we treat it like it is, if we win the promised land but we can't stay married or we continually wake up and we don't like or worse yet, we hate the person that we're sharing a bed with, then what has it gained us? We seem to know this truth about everything except marriage. We recognize that if I'm going to lose weight, then it is essential for me to quit eating donuts for three meals a day. So I recognize that to get the weight off, I can't eat donuts. But I also know this truth. If once I lose the weight, if I want to keep the weight off, I can't go back to eating donuts. So we know that truth in our diet. We know that truth in our finances. If, 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 if I'm going to get out of debt, then I've got to come to the place in my life where I spend less than I make. And so I, I pay my way out of debt. And then all of a sudden, I, I can't just go dumb and, and, and start spending more than I make and expect to stay out of debt. We recognize this truth in everything except for marriage and relationships. What we do to win, we must do to keep. The reason we can't keep is because we don't like work. Y'all wish y'all had slept in and stayed home during the snow now. See, see, we read in the New Testament, we are instructed husbands should honor their wives. But the problem with that statement and the reason we don't like it is because that requires work. We read that wives should submit to their husbands, but we don't like that passage and we skip over it because that requires work. See, it's easier to be lazy and just do what we want to do and what feels good to us. It's easier to demand my own way and to refuse to compromise. It is easier to stay mad and to harbor bitterness than to do the hard work of forgiving. It's easier to fight than to do the, to do the hard work of getting along and finding a way to navigate the challenges. We don't like work. See, I've come to a conclusion. And I know when I say this, you're going to say amen. And we, we fail, I think, in, in the moment of hearing this and responding to it. We, we affirm it, but we don't grasp it and recognize that when I say this, I'm talking about us. And we cannot deny this about ourselves. And it's a dangerous attribute that we have as a generation. And that is this. Our generation is selfish. Come on, look at your neighbor. Point your finger in her face say, you selfish. We are. We are extremely selfish. We have become so self-consumed that it has made living together in marriage united much harder than it has ever been before. But I need you to understand, this is going to be true for those of you that have no knot. This is going to be true for those of you that are knotted. Listen to me this morning. Looking out for number one will only lead you to being alone. Sometimes it seems to me that we work harder to untie than we just, we work to stay knotted. 
So my question for you is simply this. Some of you are going to have to think back like 10 years. Some of you are going to have to think back 6 years. Some of you are going to have to think back 30 years. Some of you are going to have to go back 20 years. My question to you is this. What did you do to win? Think about that now. What did you do to win? Are you still still doing anything that you did to win to keep? See, I've taught you a spiritual uh, principle truth that also has natural implications, and that is this. It's easier to obtain than to maintain. And all that work you did to win somebody, are you doing any of it to maintain that relationship? Uh, guys, some of us were like Prince Charmings while we were dating. I mean, we were like flowers and balloons. And we would actually cuddle. We were like long, goo-goo-eye conversations for hours on the phone. And now when she walks in, after 20 years of marriage, she's lucky if she'd get a grunt. And only if it's during the commercial. See, that was a great place for all the women to go, hey, man, but you're scared. I know, I know. So there you go. I got one brave soul. Yeah, yeah. And some of you ladies were princesses before you nodded. You would never let your man see you unless you were dressed to the nine. Every hair was in the right place, and everything that could have makeup on it had makeup on it. And when you would go to the restaurant, we were scared for your health because you would like take one. Never mind. I'm just. Gonna, just take one little, never mind, and and and, 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 and and that won him. But now all he sees are wrinkles in your clothes. I'm, I'm, not, stu- I'm not stupid. I'm working this. Uh, my wife's watching on the internet right now, too. So, uh, and, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm in trouble. Bathrobes, halfway put together. And listen, I recognize, this goes for men and women. I recognize that life is hectic. I recognize that kids get in the way. I know that schedules get tighter. I, I, I understand that, that careers crash your romantic party. But if we don't keep working, we don't Some of you are living with folks right now in, in a relationship and they may not be gone, but they're gone. You won them, but you're not keeping them. And although you're living in the same house, you're not even there with one another emotionally, spiritually. See, some of you don't think you have the time or the energy to work right now. But let me just stop and say to you, you ought to talk to some folks that have been through the breakup of one of these knots and you'd recognize and see that it, just see how bad it goes when it goes bad and see if it doesn't take more energy and more time to undo or to redo what should have never been broken in the first place. It would be, it would have been much easier and less painful to do the work before the knot started coming apart. Preempt the loosening is what I'm saying to you. Some, see, some of you are mad at me right now because you thought you were going to get some magic formula, some secret potion, some recipe, some trick. You thought that, that the pastor, surely the pastor and his wife, they, they've got this unknown method of making marriage perfect. 
Surely they've got it all figured out. Yeah, and, and I would tell you we do. Stand up here this morning and just tell you we got it all figured out. Are you ready? Here it is. The trick to making your marriage work is this. You get up every day and you work at it. <laughs> there ain't nothing glamorous about that. You can't write a book about that. There, there's nothing flashy about that. It's just the reality. Jacob shows us that what you did to win, you got to keep doing to keep. He won. He, he, I always read this wrong. I thought he worked 14 years, then he got Rachel. No, 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 no. Not according to what I just read. He worked seven years, married the wrong woman, says, I'm mad at you, Laban. Laban says, okay, here's my other one, but you got to work seven more years. He's got her during the second period of work. He, he won her by working for her, but now he, he continues to keep her. Some of y'all sitting on the sidelines waiting on a miracle. But you won't do any work. You won't take them out to eat. You won't fix your hair. You won't sit and talk. You would rather yell. You won't quit spending. You won't lay down your attitude. Your attitude. You won't lay down your own wants. You won't lay down your own rights. You want your own way. You won't shut your mouth or keep your opinions to yourself. You won't do any work. And then you want to come to the pastor or come to a church or come to a counselor and say, I need a miracle. No, what you really need to do is some work. I'm just trying to help you. Because what wins keeps. Do the work. Listen to me. Perfect marriages don't just happen. They are paid for and purchased with work. So then there's this question that comes. This is the one I like right here. After I tell you that it's about doing the work, then I always get this question. Well, how long do I have to work? I mean, I've been trying like for three weeks, and I don't see any results. I mean, our, our, our relationship's falling apart, Steve, and, 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 and I'm doing everything I can do. And I'll go, well, how long have you been doing everything you can do? Oh, about three weeks. And I tell you this morning that you need to work for the prescribed time frame. Well, what do you mean? There is a prescribed time frame that we are required to work. Are you ready for this? This is going to blow some of you away. This is going to mess some of your exit plans up. I know some of you didn't have no exit plans, but some of you got some exit plans. You've been working it all out, and you got some exit plans. I'm getting ready to mess your exit plan up right now because there is a prescribed. I can tell you exactly how long you should work on your marriage. Are you ready? Here it is. Till death do us part. See, see, too many of us expect to work everything out in one day when the prescribed time frame is until death. So let me say it in a way that you might not like and probably is not the greatest way to say it, but you're stuck with each other. And God's like, you're stuck with each other. And so you got to work this thing out. There is a prescribed... See, Jacob was willing to work as long as it took, and then what we want to do is we want to throw in the towel after one week of biting our tongue. I hadn't said nothing in a week, Pastor, so I can get out of here right now, right? No! We want to untie knot because we've had two bad months in a row, and we want to give up because we haven't been intimate in 22 days. I'm counting the days. I'm going to give them to 25, and when we get to 25, you're out of here, or I'm out of here. No, the prescribed time frame is your lifetime. So what does that mean? It means if you blew it in 2013, get it right 2014. That means if 2014 didn't like Prince Charming and Walt Disney and, 
and knights on, in shining armor and white horses and bouquets of flowers. And, and it's not all everything you thought it was going to be. It's not like the notebook or it's not like love letters and it's not nothing like that. Then good news. you got the rest of your life to figure it out. Boy, it got quiet in here. That means you got to live past your pains. That means you got to live past your issues. That means you got to live past your fights. And then finally, I would say to you, you need to do work early. See, what I've discovered is that too many of us wait and try to work when it's too late. I'm going to help some of you a lot right here. If you're just, man, I feel this just coming back at me. Uh, maybe it's, it's not y'all. It's through the internet. I feel it. They just don't like it. You're struggling with this work. Listen, I want to help you this morning. Do your work early. Get help early and often. If you don't work early, then let me tell you what happens. Let me tell you what happens. Let me just play the scenario out. Okay, you get married. You had like a beautiful wedding ceremony. You fall in. You're in love, and you love each other until about two years in, or about four years in, or about six years in. Kids come along, and your schedules go nuts. And now you're not getting any sleep. And since you're not getting any sleep, you don't like each other, and 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 all this stuff. And if you don't do your work early. Molehills turn into mountains. And what started as a fight about the toothpaste tube and you squeezing it wrong, now we dig up everything that ever we ever you 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 looked at that other you you talked to you didn't talk to me right and we pull it all up and what started as a fight over toothpaste now is a huge mountain. And the, here's the issue. Stick with me and I'll be done. The issue is there are very few mountain climbers left. And there's very few mountain movers left. Because now you can get out for $245. Dollars. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Here. Y'all ain't seen signs on the corners? You did a divorce. Quick, uncontested, $245. Deal of the day, man. You're sending coupons out on it right now. Get over. See, what has happened in our society is we don't have any mountain climbers or mountain movers. What we do, what we have is we have people that are mountain viewers. The mountains are cool to look at, but they don't stay. They leave. So why is it then that since we recognize that if we don't do our work early and molehills become mountains, why is it that we will only make moves once everything is in such shambles that there's no hope? I don't understand that, y'all. We make preemptive strikes to protect ourselves. But if we would learn to take preemptive strikes to protect us, we would be so much better off. What does that mean? That means adjust now, fix now, Talk now, counsel now, forgive now, deal with it now, talk it out right now. Don't wait six months, don't wait six years, deal with your issues now. Final thought. A couple things, and I'll, I'll, it, I'll let you back out into the world from the outside. For those of you that have no knots, if you are scared, of or don't like hard work, don't tie them up. 
if you are in a relationship with somebody right now that will not work at that relationship and you have not tied the knot, get out. If they're more interested in spending time and energy and work on their car than they are on your relationship, get out. If you are nothing but an option for them, then you cannot make them a priority because they will destroy your life. If they're not willing to work now, they won't suddenly become a great worker once you get married. The second thing I would say to you this morning, whether you're married or not, is this. Relationships, and in particular marriage, is hard work. Period. Some of y'all think there are perfect marriages. You look at these people that have been married for years and go, man, they've got the perfect marriage. No, they don't. They have a marriage that they've worked at hard. It is a the, the, the marriage relationship is the relationship that requires the most, and yet it gives the biggest return on investment. And if you are not willing to do whatever it takes, compromise, counseling, time and energy to make it work, then don't get married. I've had people come to me and say, I, I, I'm going to divorce so and so. And I, and I always stop them and ask them, have you done everything? And the answer is almost always no. Have you gone to counseling? No. Have you talked to anybody? No. Have you sat down and talked? No. Have you adjusted your own life? No. What's wrong with you? You gotta, if you're not willing to do whatever it takes, the, the reason is, is there is no miracle that will dismiss you from further work. That was good. You missed it. I'm gonna say it again. There is, we can bring you down front. I want all the married couples to come down front. We're gonna pray over you and ask God to give you a miracle. The problem with that, and I believe He can do miracles. I've seen Him do miracles. I trust Him for miracles. Some of you need a miracle, but you just need to know that just because you get a miracle doesn't dismiss you from the work to keep that miracle. Just because Lazarus was, Lazarus was raised from the dead by a miracle, he didn't live the rest of his life and never eat, never sleep, never exercise. Well, I got a miracle. Jesus brought me back to life. I don't have to do nothing, man. I'm just going to sit over here and chill. No, he would die again. huge. See, the miracle only positions you, catch this, and then I'll quit. The miracle only positions you and makes you even more responsible to continue the hard work of maintaining what God has done for you. The miracle creation only led to God demanding and expecting God to maintain it. So if your relationship is in shambles this morning and on the verge of divorce, and we bring you down front, and we pray for you, and all of a sudden you look at one another, and it's like you're 16 all over again. You got goo goo eyes. Ooh, she's fine. Ooh, he's stud. And the miracle takes place, and you feel a change in your spirit. Things begin to work out. If you don't do any work after that, we will have to try to bring you back up here in about a year and do another one of those prayers. And chances are it won't work because you weren't willing to maintain what the miracle was. So if you've already tied the knot, then I would say to you that you must do everything, exhaust every effort, and pay any price to make the most of God's work. So this morning, what I want to challenge you to do is those of you that are are knotted, you have a knot in your life, I want you to recommit this morning to doing the hard, long, tiring, working, 
most fulfilling, enjoyable work that you will ever do in your life. Because although hard work hurts, and although hard work is not fun, hard work always pays off. He said, are you bashing those of us nearly got most of us? I'm not. I'm just asking you to be honest and recognize that it's hard. But with God's help, we can do some not work. Father, this morning, I thank you for those that are here. I thank you for those that are watching over the internet. God, we recognize that the most crucial thing in all of our lives is the relationships that you give We recognize that you give them to us. Well, God, you put it together. God, for every husband and wife, for every engaged couple, for every young person that is entering into a dating relationship with any of them. I pray this morning that we would recognize that we're involved in the process. And we don't want to waste and take for granted the work of your hands. We're not in our own territory here your orchestrating relationships. And so, this morning I pray that we would once again recognize that you're the Lord. We would establish you as the Lord, the boss, the king of our relationship. And I pray that we would recognize that because you do have a hand in it, that what we do to work to win we must do the work to keep. God, I, I pray over some guys in this room and those watching on the internet, God, that they would get out in front of the TV every once in a while, do more than just grunt. And we would do the hard work of communicating and romancing, keeping what we want. God, I pray for women here today and those watching online. That God, they would think back about what they did to win, and I pray that they would begin to do. I pray that if, even though life is hectic and the schedule has changed, I pray that they would find the energy and the source of strength. God, I pray we'd do our work early. Those that are here that are struggling today, things are not what they intended or what they thought. I pray that you would give them a miracle. God, if there's any relationship in this body that's about to dissolve, I pray 
from Aaron. I understand that the enemy would choose and want to destroy these relationships because he recognizes that it's really about covering and protection and secrecy. He recognizes that he can shatter them for decades. I pray that in Jesus' name right now, we would allow you to step into every relationship, regardless of how bad it may seem or how far it's gone the wrong way. God, I pray that even in this very moment, Miracle work, the power of Jesus to put things back together and to bring life into dead places. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would bring life back in this relationship. But Father, we recognize that when you do, and you will, at that moment we become responsible for maintaining the miracle that you've given us. So God, I pray that when the change occurs, we will be ready position and committed to hard, hard work to make it last. And God, I pray for some perfect marriages in this room. There's some folks in this room probably that haven't been married very long. There's some in this room that have been married longer than some of us have been alive. It's a testimony of your grace and your concern care for us that you put us together for each of us for each other. I pray that the folks here would experience the greatest relationship, this side of the relationship with their spouse. And I pray that it would be birthed out of their willingness to do the hard work necessary. Father, We'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, would you stand with me just briefly this morning and then I'll get out of your way. I want us to do one more thing. If you're here and your spouse is here, would you grab them by the hand? If you're single, if you're dating, adjust this a little bit. If you're dating, engaged, or whatever that status is, would you take your significant other and hold their hand? If you're unknotted this morning and you're not in relationship, would you find somebody around you that's holding hands and lay your hand on them? For those that are married here, they stand the chance to walk through the most devastating moments of their life because of this relationship. We can't afford that. We've seen too much of that. You're not an island. Everybody around you is impacted by your choices. If you're standing next to someone that's not married but they're in a relationship, they need grace too. We need to pray for one another. So would you just begin to pray for the people around you that fall into those categories. Father, we have seen, we have witnessed knots that have been untied and the devastation that it brings. So we pray this morning for those that are tied, that you would bring grace into their life and you would protect their relationship. We plead the blood of Jesus around them. And the enemy may be after them and attacking them, but we know you're strong. 
And God, I pray that at this very moment they would have a renewed sense of love, a renewed sense of hope, a renewed sense of willingness to do hard work. God, I pray for those that are dating or engaged. I pray that you would protect them. They are in exciting times in their life, but they're also in dangerous moments. I pray that you would speak to them clearly. You'd give them wisdom. They would know who's helping, who's hurting. They would know how to walk this thing. And then last but not least, Father, I pray for those in this room that have gone through the pain of a broken relationship. My heart hurts for them. I've seen some of them completely and utterly devastated. I pray you'd speak to them at this very moment and allow them to recognize they're not second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. They're just like the rest of us, broken, forgiven, and a candidate for your grace. Father, I pray that you would protect their heart. I pray they wouldn't make rash decisions. I pray they wouldn't make bad decisions in broken moments. I pray that they would find their wholeness and their completeness in you. And I pray that you would allow them to recognize your timing in their life so they don't make the wrong choice. And I pray that you would heal them completely. We pray healing over those that are broken. And what the enemy meant for harm, we are convinced that you can turn it for our good. We love you today, Father. We thank you for this body that we have the opportunity to spend time together with today. I pray for traveling mercy. I pray you keep your hand of protection on each. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.